Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Well Then. As you know, this season we are exploring all things love and relationships and today I am so excited to introduce a new guest to you who is going to talk all about human design as it relates to our love lives. And for those of you who aren't familiar or who haven't heard me speak about it on social media, human design is an incredible tool that ultimately helps people to understand themselves better based on um, kind of astrology and our birth charts to a certain degree, but it's really fascinating and incredible how accurate it is. And today's guest is diving deep with us. Her name is Erin Claire Jones, and she uses human design to help thousands of individuals and companies step into their work and their lives as their truest selves and to their highest potential. And her work as a guide, a coach, a speaker has attracted a community that is growing and is over 170,000 people who turn to her teachings for practical tools, digestible tips, and deeper self-knowledge that they can access to live with greater ease and authenticity every single day. Day. And as you'll hear in this episode, human design is basically a synthesis of ancient wisdom and modern science that sheds light on a person's energetic makeup, as well as specific tools that they can use to live at their happiest, healthiest, and highest potential. It doesn't change who you are, it just teaches you who you are. This incredible tool of human design offers insight into what's possible and, under- and highlights the significance and understanding and living as the fullest expression of yourself. And by putting this tool to work in her own life, Erin is really showing the world a new way of work, a new path towards success, and a new perspective of living as you truly are. And in today's episode, we explore that as it relates to dating and our love lives and how we can really understand ourselves better so that we can ultimately date in ways that feel good for us, that we can understand our partner better, that we can communicate better and have healthier, happier relationships. And we use some examples of my own human design chart. And as Erin gives us kind of like a practical application of how some of the elements of of our chart would apply to our love life. So I'm really excited for you to hear it. Make sure you stay tuned to the very end because Erin offers um, a really great discount on um, her human design blueprint on her website and share There's lots of ways to get some information on your own chart as well. So let's dive right into this incredible episode. All right. Hi, Erin. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here today to chat about all things human design. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Absolutely. Yeah. As you know, we were starting to chat about before, before we pressed record and that dive right in because I can get carried away. I'm so excited to explore this idea of human design and how it relates to relationships and love lives in general. But before we even go there, can you first just share a little bit with uh, listeners about who you are and what human design is? Of course. So I'm Erin and I have two new rescue puppies that you might hear in the background. Um, And that are wonderful lunatics. Um, (laughs) And I work with a system called human design, which is basically a system based on your time, date, and place of birth that reveals your energetic blueprint on how you're wired to thrive, specifically in work relationships and life. Human design's magic is really giving us each our own roadmap to finding flow. You know, I think so often we get tripped up, whether it's romantic partnership or whether it's 
you know, in work or building teams when we expect others to be like us. And I think human design really reminds us how uniquely wired or how different we each are and gives us all the tools to honor that. Um, and I think part of why I fell in love with human design is that it gives us all this like really juicy information about ourselves, but then it gives us like tools to actually like bring that information to life in our lives. And I think that so often we don't need more information. We just need the right information at the right time to really make changes in our lives. And so I think human design does that so beautifully. Absolutely. I feel like that's really what um, was compelling for me and drew me into wanting to learn more about my own human design was that, yeah, on the one hand, there's, there's cool elements where you're like, oh my gosh, that's totally spot on for me. And that's why I am the way I am. But then there's also really actionable things that you can do with this information, which is so cool. Exactly. And it's so needed. You know, again, most people are, they're like, how can I actually use human design to live my best life? Yeah. You know, most people are not going to you know, look at human design and want to learn the chart. And like the people that do, I love you. I'm one of those people. And <laughs> I think like most people are just like, tell me what I need to know, you know? And so that's yep. really been the vision of our business is like, how can we give people that information and how can we make it accessible enough that it will make sense to those who like are totally new to human design, totally new to a system like this. And so it's been a real journey in on that path. Yeah. And for people who are brand new to, to the topic of human design, can you explain a little bit about kind of how they find their human design and where it comes from? I know obviously they can go to, I think, websites like yours and, and plug yeah. their info in and discover it, but like what actually contributes to our human design? So if you want to look it up, you can go to humandesignblueprint.com and you'll need your time, date, and place of birth. The place is only relevant as a regard, like with regards to time zones. So if you don't see your city, like you can choose one nearby, but the idea is, is that like, it's basically our imprint when we're born. It's not predictive. It's not going to tell you that at 20 years old, this will happen or at 50, this will happen. And more just is like, this is how you operate best. Um, but I think honestly, it's like very mystical. It's crazy that we could ha use this information to learn so much about ourselves. And I think that I always want to remind people that like, whether or not it feels like too woo woo for you, you know, I think for us, it's a little bit less about like whether it's true, it's more about whether it's useful. And so yeah. like, I would just remember when you're looking through it all, like, just, it's not about like, how does it all happen? And how does it all work? It's like, does this feel useful? Does this resonate? And I worked with so many skeptics and they're often the ones that love it the most because they're like, Aaron, I don't get why I should know this stuff about myself, but it feels like you've been following me around for like decades. There's like <laughs> no other way, you know? So I just want to like remind people it is mystical and like take it or leave it. It's a tool. Um, and I think again, what matters is whether it's useful. Yeah. I love that. It combines the mystical and the practical. Yes. So when people go and look up their, their human design and, and get their chart, or if they get a reading, obviously with somebody, they'll get much more in depth information, but can you just kind of quickly go over the main things that we would see in a human design chart? So like our type, our profile, what do those things mean? Yes. So first you'll see your type. There are five different types in human design, and that speaks to how we best use our energy and also how we're designed to create the most aligned opportunities in our lives. There's something called our inner authority, which will speak to how we best make decisions. There's something called our profile, which I always say it speaks to kind of how we best manifest our purpose, but honestly, it's so much bigger than that. It actually offers so much juicy stuff in terms of romantic relationships, in terms of marketing ourselves. There are things called channels that speak to our innate strengths. There are things called open centers, which speak to where we are the most sensitive and can get the most taken off track, but also where we have the most to learn. And then there are like a bajillion other things. Um, but those are probably the pieces that I would start with. 
Um, and then also there's a piece called definition, which is around how we best process. So those are kind of really actual pieces that you can begin with. Okay. Yeah. I think that's really helpful because I'm sure it can be easy to, to get overwhelmed when you see all the different numbers and colors and arrows pointing different directions, but just focusing on those, those kind of few first main key points can be, I'm sure helpful to narrow it all down. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that like human design is endless, you know, I've been studying and sharing it for eight years and like, I don't know everything, you know? And so like, I think it's really, it's like a, a lifelong study. And I think that often the information that's at the surface is the most impactful. And so I think it's less about like, how can I learn every single detail about my chart and more around like, how can I actually experiment with the things that I know and see what happens in my life when I do? Yeah. Well, and I'm curious, what was it for you that first drew you to the study of human design and, and what areas of your life were you curious to apply it to? You know, I discovered human design very serendipitously. It was like definitely not my plan. Um, I had been working at a number of different startups. I was really interested in entrepreneurship, um, specifically impact-driven entrepreneurship, you know, companies that had a social mission. And I was like loving what I did, but it also like didn't feel like I was like in my like purpose. Like I was like, I'm really enjoying this, but it's not like I've like found it. Um, and then I went to a friend's gathering in 2015 and basically sat next to a stranger and the stranger asked if he could read my human design, which I had never heard of before. And he did this like little mini reading for me on the spot. And I was so blown away because I felt so, I felt like he put me into words so specifically and accurately. And I also felt really confronted because I wasn't living any of it. I was just like, what? Like that's allowed? Like that's possible? Like I could find success and alignment by choosing that path, which feels so much more natural. Um, and he ended that conversation by saying that I was meant to do this and that we were meant to kind of work together. And so I like, you know, it was interesting. It wasn't like I discovered human design and I like just experimented about it with it in my own life for like two years. And then I started sharing it. Like I was actually pulled into like studying it immediately um, and, and sharing about it and making it accessible. And I had a teacher, an amazing teacher that, you know, had been studying for a decade. So he was really my mentor and business partner for the first couple of years before I went off on my own. Um, so I really said yes before I had any idea what human design was. And there was just like a feeling within me where I was just like, this is needed. And like, I need to learn everything that I can. And like, know that this was at a time in the world where like no one knew what human design was. <laughs> like it was like totally out there and totally strange. So, um, but I think that like, you know, I would say that like the biggest thing that really resonated with me learning my design at first was that I wasn't here to be a doer. Um, I had spent a lot of my life trying to do and keep up and make things happen, especially in New York City. And he really reminded me that I was much better suited to be a leader, a guide, a teacher. My wisdom was really around people. It was really around my insight around people and not how much I could do. And, you know, and so many simple things. I wasn't meant to rush into decisions. I had been like, whereas I'd been like so spontaneous and so regretful, you know, he told me I wasn't meant to like chase after things when I had really been chasing after everything. You know, he was like, you're really here to be invited in. And so there was just like a lot of very basic stuff, whether it related to romantic relationships or business that I realized that I had been operating so out of alignment with my design and I could just tell that it wasn't working. And so I was really compelled that there was a map for me that might flow better. Yeah. And that's what I love the most about it is that it, it can be used in those small, just day-to-day -day decisions and moments to make your life flow better and have more alignment when you realize that there's little kind of tweaks and principles that you can live by that are more um, authentic for yes. you and that you don't have to just do what everybody else is doing. And totally. cer certainly like we were talking about just before this, 
I see um, so much out there on like how to use human design uh, for creating more fulfillment in your life and being more aligned and tuned in with your purpose and creating a career that feels really fulfilling and satisfying and not like it's crazy hard work, but it's really flowing in a really natural and intuitive way. And I love Mm -hmm. that. I know that that's like what a lot of your work is about, which is so needed because the more of us that connect to our purpose and our passion and our authenticity, the better. But I'm also really Mm -hmm. curious to learn more about how to use it in the context of love and dating and relationships. Yeah. I mean, I think that there are so many powerful applications of human design. And I would say probably one of the most powerful ones is just in relationships. And I think honestly, parenting, romantic team, all the things like I would say in general, we experience a lot of friction when we want someone to be similar to us or different than what they are. Mm. And I think human design just like gives us a very clear map of how differently we operate so that we know how to honor that. Like when I sit with couples, you know, often why, why they're getting stuck is because they're just like, why don't you do it like me? Mm-hmm. Like, and I just don't get the way that you do it. I don't, I don't understand. And like, when they're given this language, they're like, oh my God, like I've been making you so wrong for just being you. And I've been taking all these things personally that like, just don't need to be taken personally. And so I think it's such an amazing tool and romantic partnership to help you really understand your partner and learn how to really support them in the same way that love languages do, you know, where it's like, oh, like the way you receive love might be different than the way that I receive. It really just like helps you like just discover all the ways in which you're different. So you can start to really honor and flow with the differences rather than make each other wrong for them. Yeah. I was going to say, it sounds like that the concept of love languages, like learning the different ways that we, the languages that we speak and the ways that we relate to the world and people around us and acknowledging that your partner is probably going to have a very different way of, of showing up and relating than you do. So if you can understand their language at least then you can come to that that place of mutual respect and commonality and understanding which is a good foundation for a healthy relationship yeah I think it brings so much compassion and empathy into relationships you know and it's and again it's human design is not a tool to be like you can date this person or you can't date this person Mm. it's more like once you've discovered that this person feels right to you how can you like do your best to understand how they operate and support them and be in that way Okay. So it's not like, you know, sometimes you hear in astrology that like, I'm going to get this wrong because I don't know all the specifics, but like Gemini's shouldn't date Scorpio's or whatever. It's not like that where like a certain profile shouldn't date another certain profile that they might have more conflict. I mean, there are probably a lot of human design people that would say stuff like that, but I just don't think that's the way the system is meant to be used, you know? So, um, I don't think that human design is meant to tell us like what we can or cannot do. I think it lets us know how to like do the things that we choose best, you know? So like I can look at partnerships and I'm like, this might require a lot of work, you know, or there's like things, but like, I think anything's possible. I think it just helps us know how to do it best. So I don't think it's very empowering as a system at all to like, be like, you can or cannot do this thing. Like, I think we have to trust ourselves to know what's right. And then we can use systems like this to then find the most flow in those relationships. Yeah. And obviously, you know, it sounds like you, you're an advocate for using it in the context of relationships. And like you said, parenting, friendships, team, all of that. Do you recommend people learning about their own human design first and then like inviting their partner or whoever they're wanting to explore it with to pull up their chart and kind of comparing notes? Or how do you recommend inviting a conversation or exploration around that? Yeah, obviously like some some, not everyone will be willing. Like I would say, start with yourself, 
you know, start with yourself and like really play with these elements. If they're open to giving you your birth, their birth information, you can sort of look theirs up. And like, if they feel open, you can start sharing little pieces. Um, it's often not a thing that you can force on people. Um, and, but one thing that I really noticed in partnership is that like, I guess two pieces. One is that like, I've had a lot of clients share with me that like their partner was really resistant. And then like the more they started living their design and the more flow they were finding their partner was like, fine, tell me what's happening. Like, tell me everything about me. So like when you kind of embody the change that's possible, then like they might be much more curious to learn. Yeah. Um, and then I would say secondly, like, you know, I expected a lot of like skepticism when I started working with companies, you know, I was like, going in there, I'm asking for their birth info. Like it's a little bit out there, but like, I, I discovered that like most people want to learn about themselves, you yeah. know, wherever it's coming from. And so I find that in relationship too, that like, even really like I, you know, did a session for somebody yesterday whose partner bought him the session. Like he was not being like, I'm choosing human design, you know, but like, but he's like, tell me everything. Like, I want to understand like how to be better. And so like, I think that, um, I think that like, if there's a willingness to learn how to do better and like, and one person is a real advocate for it, I think it's often great. I think that like the people that often don't like human design are people that are really resistant to change where they're just like, I don't want to be told another way of doing things, you know, or like, or they're just like scared of that, you know, and I've definitely encountered those people where it's just like, even if the, how they're doing things is really not working, they just like, don't want another perspective. So you definitely can't force it on people, but I would say start with you. Um, And also when, if you do introduce it to your partner, like it's so much around how you communicate it. It's not like you are this and you must be this. It's more like human design says this, like, how does that feel to you? Yeah. You know? So just kind of sharing it in a way that still gives them all the agency to be like, that feels good or it doesn't. Uh, that also makes sense what you shared about, you know, bringing this into companies, because I, I'm thinking about like the types of people who are in that like corporate environment often do the like anagram types and personality tests and, and all of those ways of exploring and learning how to better themselves and learning more about themselves. So this, of course, is a natural, natural fit in that environment to just learn more about how to optimize the way you show up in the world. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that, and human design is so specific. Like I can't tell you how many like very skeptical people were like so, so resistant at first. And then like even six months and they're like, okay, fine. Like, this is just like creepily accurate. So please tell me everything about my team, (laughs) my family, like I'm open now, you know? So but I think, yeah, I think people are so much more receptive than I ever imagined, mostly because yeah. I think they're curious and they're open to growth. And I think it just needs to be positioned in a way where it's like, take it or leave it. It's still up to you to choose that. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, once they notice the like scary accuracy of it, it's hard to ignore. And it's like, okay, tell me no, more. I want to use know. this. <laughs> I had a friend who like got a blueprint for her husband um, and, and he was like, and I saw him once and he was like, Aaron, like, I was so creeped out. He was like, I was asking her, I was like, I think she's been following me around, you know, like I just, there's no other way that she would know this stuff, you know? And it was just like, so funny because I think it was just like, you just, you know, he was like, it's so true. Like, how do you know that? So I think that like, again, it's really just around an openness. Yeah, absolutely. And so I want to give listeners the experience of hearing um, a little bit more about the applications of of human design, like we're talking about in the context of relationships or just life in general in um, 
more of a grounded way by <laughs> volunteering myself to, to hear a little bit more about um, my, my human design. And I think I'm actually gonna learn a lot in this moment as well, because as we discovered right before this call, uh, the human design that I thought I had for the past year or two years is um, not correct because I didn't enter my birth time correctly. <laughs> so this is gonna be really fun for me as well. Um, but yeah, are there certain elements that you would look to first into learning about yourself? Like I know that I'm a generator and I know some surface level um, kind of elements of, of what that means about me and, and how I'm best suited to show up in the world. But like, where, where would you start? So definitely start with your type, you know, and then I would go to the strategy and the authorities. So the type is, is the first piece. It's like definitely not the only piece I'd recommend diving into, but it's a really important one. Mm -hmm. So do you want me to frame this all through the context of romantic relationships? Yeah, absolutely. And then if there's other, other yes. tie-ins or questions for sure. We cool. Can. Okay. So, so much of being a generator and are you in a relationship? Um, no, I am currently okay. single. Cool. So part of being a generator is around the fact that you've got so much amazing energy to like build and create and make things happen. And one of your biggest lessons is around prioritizing your own excitement and joy and knowing that when you create space to do the things that light you up and work and beyond, it gives you so much more energy and it makes you so much more magnetic. And so I would say in terms of romantic relationship, like it's so advantageous to anyone around you that you're lit up by what you're doing. You know, like when you are like lit up by what you're doing and how you're spending your time, like people cannot help but want to be around you. So I would say the first piece is really like just prioritizing that and knowing that like when you are really like in your joy and really satisfied, you start to pull so many aligned things your way, whether it is job opportunities, you know, podcast guests or like romantic partners. Um, and then part of being a generator is that you're here to respond to things. You're not here to chase after anything, mm -hmm. you know? And so in terms of romantic relationship, that's basically not about like, you know, I've got to like go force it. It's more like, let me just like keep my awareness open and see who shows up in my world. Like whether it's on an app or whether it's at a gathering or whether it's through a friend. And if my gut lights up in response to them, I'm going to go let them know, you know, and like, just trust that. Like, so I would really just like keep your awareness open and see who kind of naturally sparks you and creates this very kind of expansive opening feeling in your body. Mm, that definitely makes a lot of sense. And, uh, also explains a lot of why in my my early to mid 20s I did a lot of um a lot of like masking and people pleasing and trying to be the person that I thought the other the partner wanted me to be and following their joy and prioritizing the things they wanted to do and relationships felt so hard from that place like I I didn't realize how out of alignment it was for me to just constantly be giving away the things that that lit me up and you know for the sake of doing what they wanted to do or trying to be the cool girl or whatever it was and yeah trying to make things happen it just it felt so sticky and not good yeah it's so common you know it's like generators have all this like amazing energy so it's like really easy to just like give it away it's like I'm gonna do what I think that I should what others want from me and I would just say like in romantic relationship and life like so much of your lesson is knowing that prioritizing your own joy is like not a selfish choice. It's mm -hmm. the thing that really allows you to kind of have the most positive uplifting impact in the world. 
Yeah, absolutely. I've been actually talking about that a lot lately, how learning to be selfish for uh, certain people can be such a positive thing because then you have so much more of an overflow to give from. And it's, yeah, just so much better for everybody involved. 100%. Um, and then your decision-making, we call this our inner authority is your gut feeling. Mm-hmm. It's called sacral. I call it trust your gut. So this is like going to be so true in a romantic relationship where it's like, you're meant to like say yes to the people that feel like a full body gut. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, and like your gut might not always agree with your mind. Like your gut might be like, this person just feels right. But like, they don't really like look the way that I thought I don't like fit the boxes that I thought they were going to fit in. Like mm-hmm. your gut, your body just knows more than you can ever conceive with your mind. And your mind is so powerful that you can probably convince yourself in or out of anything. So your gut is meant to be this very reliable tool to kind of pull you towards the right people and opportunities. And so like, if you go on a date with somebody and you're like, that doesn't feel right, but like, I think that I should, then like, I would trust your gut. You know, if you're like, feel really pulled to somebody, you're like, wow, they're so different than what I'm used to. Like, I would also trust that. Like your gut is the most powerful tool to help you know, like, what are the right relationships for you to enter into? Um, I want to share another tool about this one, but I'm just curious Mm -hmm. how that lands for you. It definitely resonates so strongly. And I've certainly like, I can think of times where I've done the opposite of that, where my gut felt like it was a no, but my mind was looking at all the reasons why this person should be the one that I choose and all the reasons why it should be working out and definitely stayed in situations longer than I should have because my mind was trying to overpower that, that inner gut feeling. Yeah. And like your mind is probably going to do that often you know? And I think it's just like, you knowing yourself well enough to be like, I see what's happening, Yep. you know? And I, and, that, and like, you can be in a relationship and it's like, it just doesn't feel right anymore. Like when you're speaking the truth of your gut, it's going to sound like it feels right or it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound like it might, this might happen if I say in it, you know, it's more just like, there's no reason. It's just like, it feels right or it doesn't. Yeah. Um, I would say another powerful tool for you is that with communication, you're here to respond to things. And so if you're dating somebody, if somebody like asks you a really open-ended question, it might get you like a little bit in your head. If they're like, where do you want to go for, or like, yeah, where do you want to go for dinner? Like, what do you want to do today? Like, you might be like, wow, so much is possible. You know, where do I even start? But if somebody was to ask you, like, do you want to go out or cook at home? Like, do you want to go to the park today or, you know, go swimming? Like when you're like offered very specific yes, no questions. My guess is that you can drop into your gut feeling pretty quickly. And you're like, that feels right. Or that doesn't. And so just like a tool to have, like if somebody asks you a question, you don't have a response. Like you might just be like, it's not that I don't know, but the way that you're asking is really not drawing it out of me. Like, can you give me some options and I'll let you know. Yeah. You have no idea how big of a game changer that was and is for me because that was the eternal struggle in my life. But in my dating life in particular, was that I was always seen as so indecisive and it was so hard for me to make decisions because people were posing these open-ended questions. But when I have specific choices, I've got clarity. I know I'm like, I can go to my gut and be like, yes, that one. (laughs) Yes, exactly. You know? And so like, you just know. Um, and so just like about having people, like giving people the tools to know how to communicate with you properly. And this is just like the magic again of human design. It's like, you're just like letting people know that like this way of communicating will like allow our communication to feel really good. And mm. like, and, and they might not require that they might actually love open-ended questions, but it's just like, really like, how do I, how can I support this person? 
Yeah. Okay. So I'm actually really curious about that in particular, the, the authority type, because for me, it seems like it seems intuitive or like it would make sense that like, shouldn't everybody trust their gut feeling? Like, shouldn't we all go based on that? So I'm curious what some of the other authority types are and how other people might, other people listening might um, be inclined to respond and to make decisions. Yeah, we don't all have a gut feeling. You know, it's so funny. We often like, oh, this is mine. Why is so, this right. not everyone's? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, huh? um, so some people like me are what we call emotional or wait for clarity and they're meant to sleep on things. Mm. So for you, as soon as you get a gut feeling, go for it. No need to wait. For me, like I've got to really feel into somebody and like kind of like see how I feel about them when I'm on an emotional high and how I feel about them when I'm on a low um, and not rush into anything. And like, for me, it's not a gut feeling. It's just kind of a calm knowing that emerges when I really am patient. There are some people that are very intuitive and it's, it's not the same as like this belly response in your gut. It's more just like a quiet knowing mm. you're like, Oh, I just like have a hit that this thing is right or not. And they're meant to be very spontaneous. Mm -hmm. There are some people that are meant to talk things out. They find clarity by like saying things out loud and seeing how it feels when they say things aloud. Um, there are some people that are actually meant to give themselves a full month before they choose. Wow. Um, so it's, there are so many different variations, you know, and some people, it's like all about what our hearts in it, but I think it is like, we all have very different ways of connecting to our own knowing, you know? Yeah. And I think that all these things can show up as intuition, but it's just like, it's a little bit of a different process for each of us. And so I really find this useful to look at it in partnership because like I did a session last week with two partners. One was like super intuitive in the moment mm -hmm. and the other partner needed to like talk things out. And they were getting so frustrated because they just like didn't get why they weren't reaching clarity at the same time. Yeah, I could see how that could be massively useful because yeah, if I have this sacral authority and I've got my gut knowing and I know in that moment, like this is the way to go, but I'm with a partner who needs a month to decide, I could see how that would be really frustrating. Yeah. You know, and I think it's, again, it's not like they're wrong. It's like, oh, no. they've got a different process of reaching clarity. Yeah. And like when we enter into things in a way that feels good for both of us, we'll both benefit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so beautiful to find more ways to meet each other where you're at. Um, um, did amazing. that clarify that question? Yeah. Thank you so yeah. much. That helped oh God, a lot because I knew there were other ways. Like I know my way can't be the only way and it's really illuminating to understand like, oh, okay. Those all make perfect sense. Like totally. I could see how that would feel right in somebody else's body. Yes. Um, okay. Let's talk about your profile because okay. you've, you don't know. This I, is not I know nothing about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Which is weird because I kind of resonated with the three, five. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I think that like, and again, human design is a tool. So if you're like, I love the three, five, I'm sticking with it, like stick with it. Yeah. Um, but let's see how this one lands for you. So okay. as a four, six, the four in your profile is basically around the fact that like, especially when it comes to dating, like your opportunities are all meant to come through the people that you know. Mm. And so like, I wouldn't actually recommend apps for you. Like if you like, are like, I love apps. They're so fun. Do it. But like, you might find that your community is actually a greater source of opportunity when it comes to dating. What that could look like is dating somebody that was a friend first, dating somebody that was introduced to a friend um, that you met like at a gathering hosted by a friend. But like, it's really like your community is such a source of opportunity. And so your biggest job is to really kind of invest in and nourish your relationships and trust how much opportunity they're meant to create. 
Okay. Yep. That's huge because I have always hated apps. Even when I like tried to force myself to be on them, I knew again, the gut feeling, I knew I'm not going to meet my person on an app. And yet I would still spend time on them because that's what everyone else was doing. And I would see like my sister got married to a wonderful person that she met on an app. And like, I know plenty of people who it's worked out for. So I don't have anything against them, but I just know for me, it's not the place. hundred percent. It's just not the place, you know, that's very validating. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and again, we can see ourselves in a lot of things, but often when we hear ours, we're like, oh yeah. Um, I would also say when it comes to like, say you started dating somebody um, or people, like I would say that a really strong, important thing for you is to build a strong foundation of friendship with them. Mm. Like ideally, like you would want to be friends with the people that you're dating. You're just like, obviously we're dating. This is great. Also like, like having a strong foundation of friendship is going to make things feel so much better. Yeah. So, and I would even say like, in terms of collaborators, like, you know, work with people that you want to be friends with. Mm, Yeah, I love that. The community has definitely been a really big theme for me and like looking at the things that my my soul naturally gravitates towards community is is a really big part of it. So that makes a lot of sense. Yes, 100%. Um, And then the other part of your profile, the six is, you know, you're in this interesting phase where like, you're really here to be a role model, a teacher, you're really good at inspiring trust in people, um, seeing things from a higher perspective. But the first 30 years of your life was meant to be a time of like tremendous trial and error. And so like, and just like a time to gather experiences without figuring anything out, you know? So like you're kind of coming out of this period where she's like, let me just experiment and like, see what happens and learn. Like it wasn't a time to be like, let me like find my purpose and like find the perfect partner. Like you really just came out of a very experimental time to gather so much. The time that you're entering into right now is like a more stability if you want it. You know, like you're, you're like reaching a phase in your life where you're starting to like see things from more perspective. You're probably embodying all the lessons you've learned from the first 30 years in deeper and deeper ways. Like more, more people are kind of coming to you for wisdom. Um, and it's a really beautiful time to partner, you know, with somebody. I think that there's like such a grounded nature and then you're meant to hit your prime when you turn 50. Um, doesn't mean that there's anything to wait for. And this is not prime when it comes to a romantic relationship. This is more around just kind of purpose and sharing your gifts. Um, but I would just say it's meant to keep getting better. And like, I will say that, like, if you have this in your profile, it doesn't mean that you can't meet somebody earlier. Like, you know, I think that I met my partner. I started dating him when I was, I think 26, maybe 27. Um, and I have this, but it's just like, a. I think what I would encourage is like, if you're in the first 30 years and you have a six in your profile, like release the need to figure it all out and just give yourself a chance to experiment, experiment and experience as much as you can. I am having so many moments over here of just clarity and like it's all making sense. Well, that is what resonated most with me about the three, five profile is that what I read about it is that it's like a trial and error kind of setup. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's pretty much been my life so far. But I also had this like, oh, I hope that that doesn't mean the rest of my life is about staying stuck in trial and error as well. And mm-hmm. so the fact that you like illuminated, yeah, I'm 31 now. And the first 30 years certainly were trial and error. And yes. since turning 30, a lot has shifted for me and has been a lot more grounded. And yeah, just everything you're saying is really resonating. So I'm, yeah. this is very exciting. <laughs> oh my God. So good. I love hearing that. And like, it is, yeah, it totally makes sense. You resonate with a three because you have been a three. Mm-hmm. you know, and now you're kind of evolving into a different way of doing things. Um, 
Okay. So let's talk about other aspects that are just relevant to relationship. Okay. So there's a piece called our open centers, which speak to kind of, like I said, where we're the most sensitive. Um, you are somebody who's meant to be very fluid and flexible in terms of your identity and how you express yourself. And I would say that you're really sensitive to your physical space Mm -hmm. and being in the right space is what really kind of gets you in the right flow and the right expression. And so when it comes to like dating, being in the right space is kind of everything. Like when I say that, I mean, being in the right city, the right home, like the right coffee shop, the right restaurant, like I would plant yourself in spaces that feel good. And it's so likely that you could like meet somebody there. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're going on a date with somebody, like don't go to a restaurant that doesn't feel good. Like being in the right space really kind of just gives you the experience you're meant to have. And so I would just really honor your sensitivity to space and make sure that anyone you're dating also honors that. Yeah, that definitely resonates a lot. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Amazing. Have you ever noticed, like, have you ever met somebody kind of in a space? Yeah. I mean, I've met, thinking back on like past partners, I've pretty much actually everybody I've dated has been somebody I met in either like a coffee shop or in a, in a gym that I was working out in at the time. Yeah. I've never, uh, yeah. I don't think I've met people any other way than that, than like in person (laughs) (laughs) organically in spaces that make me happy. And, but I can also think about like past partners that I've dated who were into like, who had different interests than me and were into being Um, in different spaces than I preferred like I'm not really a nightlife person I don't like super loud like yeah late night type environments and would try to force myself to fit into those boxes to date certain people and it never worked out because of course like I didn't feel like myself in those spaces yeah exactly yeah it's just like and again that's such a good sign for you or just like this doesn't actually feel right you know? And so like this relationship might be challenging if I'm like really required to be in spaces that don't feel aligned. Yeah, absolutely. You're also somebody that's like a super empath in your design. And like, this is such an amazing gift of yours. And it probably makes you so great with your clients because you're so wise about emotions and so attuned to where others are, but it can be like a little bit overwhelming because there's a lot that you take in, you know? And if so, if you're dating somebody that's like feeling a lot or going through a lot, like you can take in and amplify a lot of that. And so I would say in romantic relationship, it's really important for you to remember that not everything you feel is your own Mm. in moments of emotional overwhelm or intensity. I would take physical space just as a way to kind of reconnect your own sense of neutrality. Things get really heightened, you know, just like not the time to solve things, like come back to your coolness. Like you're really meant to engage from a very kind of cool, calm, neutral place, not a super intense emotional place. Mm. Um, I'd also say a big lesson for you is around speaking your truth because you're so sensitive it can be easy to kind of avoid confrontation sidestep your truth like you know it's just because you feel so much and so a big lesson for you is like really around saying the hard things um and know that like in relationship and beyond and know that you'll almost always feel better on the other side of confrontation yeah goodness yeah (laughs) there's definitely a lot that resonates there too I'm certainly somebody who has struggled a lot with speaking my truth and it has been such a practice over, um, over the years. And, and it always feels better when I do. Um, yeah. and to, to what you first shared, I, I have never really had a relationship where I've had like fights before, like la- like arguments where things get really heated. And I've had friends in the past be like, that's so crazy. You've never fought with a partner. But I think it is because I feel so much better when I give myself space to to like come back to the conversation feeling calm and grounded and just talk rather than yell about things. Yes, 
And I've never really thought about that or put that together before. Yeah. It's just like, again, like, and if you're unaware of it, it can just like start amplifying and then things get like really emotionally intense and then just like so muddled and unclear, you know? And so just like taking that time and space and just be like knowing how powerful the communicator you are when you come from that very cool and calm place. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I'm learning so much about myself. (laughs) Okay. So there's so much more. I'm going to share two more pieces and then more if you like, but I think that people might, I don't want to overwhelm. Yeah. (laughs) Um, There are, okay. Three more pieces, but they will be quick. So there are things called our channels, which are natural strengths. They're not always super relevant to partnership, but yours both feel like they are. Um, You are like a gifted critic. You're really good at looking at situations and seeing what could be fixed or improved and made better. Like whether it's like fixing a picture on the wall or like noticing like what's happening in a client's life and where like, there's a lack of resolution. Like you're just really good at like picking up, like what needs to be improved or fixed or made better. And there's kind of this insatiable energy in your design to improve. Um, a big lesson for you is to make sure that you have an outlet in your life where you can use all that powerful energy to be of service to the world and not turn that energy inwards to find fault with a partner or yourself. So like, even though you're a gifted critic, you're not meant to be overly critical of yourself or anyone you're dating. So I would just make sure that you're like not turning it inwards and that you're also finding proper outlets in your life to kind of use up all that powerful energy you have to kind of improve and be of service to the world around you. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to send this episode to my mom because <laughs> I have always been really, I've never felt super critical of other people. I've, I've been very self-critical, but one thing my mom and I have always butted heads about is that she always feels a bit criticized and judged by me and vice versa. But it's, uh, it's something that like, I don't even know that I'm doing sometimes in our relationship. And she's like, you always find the things that need to be fixed about me. And, um, yes. now I get to be a little more conscious of that. <laughs> yeah, totally. And it's just like, and I think it's, it's an energy that really works best when it's invited in. Mm-hmm. you know and so for you to be like I see the things but like unless they're ready to hear it like maybe I don't share it yeah you know or, or I can even ask like oh I have a perspective want to hear it you know but yeah. not forcing <laughs> it um the other channel that you have that also feels relevant to relationship is around cycles it basically means that like you're somebody who like if you say yes to a thing that's not right for you like you can sometimes easily get stuck in experiences that aren't for you Mm. Um, and so like, I would say for you, I would be really intentional about beginnings and endings. So what I mean by that is like, I would not say yes and jump into a commitment unless you're getting a full body yes in your gut, you know, as we talked about. And I would also make sure that like when a thing is over and when your gut is no longer giving you a yes, like I would remove your energy completely. Mm. Like the idea is that like, if you're like half-heartedly holding onto a thing that's no longer for you, it makes it hard for new things to come in. Whereas when you like really intentionally and fully close a cycle, it creates all the space for what's new to come in. And so you can imagine in a romantic partnership as so many of us have done, you know, it's like kind of just like still talking to somebody or like mm-hmm. not fully closing the loop. And I would just say like closing the loop for you is so important if you have clarity, it's no longer for you because it is closing the loop that creates space for what's next. Yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense. One thing that I teach about a lot now that I've practiced <laughs> trial and error in my 20s was like the cycle of situationships and always getting stuck in that cycle of like something that's really unclear and undefined because I wasn't really willing to let go of the connection and the breadcrumbs I was getting from the people yes exactly exactly and it's just like and it's not always easy and it's also like so important yep so important and it creates space yes exactly space for what you really want to come in 
100%. Okay. The last piece that I want to share is something called your definition, your single slash independent definition. Okay. Basically means you're very naturally independent. There's like a very natural sense of wholeness in your design. This is not about not being in partnership. It just means that like, there's just like, you might feel like really good and just like your own energy often. Mm -hmm. And like, you're really meant to be with people that like really like add all these new layers, not because like you need them. And so like, I would say that in a romantic relationship, it's really important to be with people that really honor your independence and don't make you wrong for it. Making you wrong for it might look like them being like, I want you to need me more, you know? And so like, just really being in a relationship where it feels like your independence is really, you, you can honor that in all the ways. Yeah. Remember the guy who said it felt like you had been following him around for 20 years. I'm definitely getting that right now because that's, Oh, you're like, yeah. 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 Have you been, how do you know this? Yeah. This is wild. (laughs) That's totally been my experience. Yeah. I had so many relationships in in my early twenties where that was the case. They're like, okay, in, in the beginning, I loved that you were really independent, but now it's like, you're not spending enough time with me or yeah, I want you to need me more. And in recent years, I've came into this really, really just comfortable, peaceful, confident place with my independence and with the fact that, like you said, I want somebody who adds really rich layers to my life. And I know that I'm complete on my own. So having somebody who can contribute more, like that'll be beautiful, but I want to maintain the sense of self that I've built over the years. 100%. 100%. And so it's just like, you can imagine how you like, it's so useful to under, like learn this stuff in partnership, but like, it's so useful for you to know these things about yourself now, you know, just so that like, there's not like, you're not compromising these things. You're like, I know that this is how I work best. And like the people that I partner with might not work like me, but like, at least I know how to ask for and communicate what I need. And like, I think that like, that's the magic of human design is like giving us a language mm-hmm. to articulate like what we need and, um, and how we operate. So people know how to support us in it. Yeah. And do you use your human, what you know about your human design a lot in your partnership and your relationship? I do. You know, my husband is also my business partner. Um, Mm. so we're kind of like entangled in every possible way. Um, (laughs) and, and we are really, really different. Like our designs are different in every way that they could be different. Mm. Um, which is why it works you know, and also why it can be challenging at times when we are like, why don't you operate like me? Yeah. You know? And so it's actually been really, really supportive, um, just to really understand each other. And again, like the difference is actually what allows for so much magic, but it's been a real lesson for us of being like, this is why we work. And like just noticing the areas in which we're expecting similarity and disappointed that it's not there, you know, and it's more Mm -hmm. like, okay, how can we really honor our differences? So it's been such a cool tool in partnership. And I think, it's been, again, like dating people, whether they're similar, or different, like either can be really magical. I know for me, having someone that's so different has been so, has up-leveled my life in so many ways, you know, and shown me so many different ways of seeing things, but it's been a real lesson to like, not try to be like him or match him or like do things like him and really honor how different we are. Mm, yeah. And in terms of like timeline, did you, um, were you already with your husband when you um, started learning about human design? So I knew my husband for four years before we ever started dating. Okay. So like he, it was, he was like my best friend long before he was my partner. And then I worked for him long before that, Mm -hmm. you know? And so he, I remember it is so funny. Like I discovered him design in 2015. So we didn't start dating until 2017. Um, But I remember in 2016, like I was just like, 
telling him everything. I was like looking at his chart and reading his chart and he was so open, you know? So I, he did like know about it and it was so, it was so fun. So he's honestly witnessed me along on the, alongside the whole journey. Um, but it was, again, it wasn't a thing where it was like, can we date? Like, are we, it's more just like, oh, like now that we're together, these are all the ways that we can like learn how to better support each other. Yeah, no, that, that absolutely makes sense. I was more just curious if like you had single life dating life, you know, prior oh, yeah. to meeting him that you were able to apply your own design, design. to. Yeah. I, I feel like in that, in that life, the day like dating life before post-human design, before him post-human design, like, I feel like I was dating people that were all very similar designs to me, mm. um, which was like really nice because at that phase, it was really like helping me honor that and learn how to lean into that more. So yes, I was definitely experimenting with it in partnership, but I, my biggest lesson 100% has been in partnership with him because so much has come up of like really learning how to navigate our differences. Yeah. It's so cool. I just, I, I think it's such a, a rich opportunity to communicate on such a deeper level. You know, there's obviously so so much out there on like how to have better communication in a relationship. But if you're really fundamentally understanding yourself and your partner on such a deep level, like, of course, that's going to be the thing that's going to help you communicate so much better. It it just makes perfect sense. Exactly. Exactly. And you just like start to like, you have this new framework to just be like, oh my God, now I know exactly how to support you. And like, I know I can see all these ways that I was frustrated because I was like, I just didn't understand you, but now I understand you. Yeah, absolutely. That's such a beautiful thing. So relationships and careers sound like the two kind of big areas. Are there other areas of your life, of of life in general, where you see human design having really useful applications? I think that parenting is a big one. Mm. Um, Team is a big one. I mean, honestly, so many things like it can go into health and wellness and digestion and all kinds of things. But I would say like, probably the most potent applications is very much like finding individual alignment, like in our kind of day-to-day and in our work and careers, and then relationally, whether it's with our teams, our kids, our partners, our parents, like really understanding how to support those that are really different than us. Yeah. Okay. So there's two things in there that just kind of sparked some curiosity in me. Um, One being the digestion piece. I remember reading about that or hearing about that somewhere. And my original background, my first background was as a nutritionist before I got into the mental health space. And so I definitely have some listeners here who are are very interested in holistic health and digestion and all that good stuff. So can you explain a little bit about how human design applies to digestion? Yeah, it's, it's definitely not the first piece that I recommend diving into because like the more you're aligning with your design, like the more it will make sense later down the line and the more impactful it will be. But it basically, it doesn't speak to like whether you should be like eating kale or sweet potatoes, you know, it's more around like, how does your system best work? Like, are you, is does cold food feel better? Like, is it nice to have food that warms you up? Like, is it nice to eat in really calm environments or is it nice to really like um, have a lot of stimulation around you? Like, do you need to like, like what you're listening to when you're eating? Like, is it good to eat during the daytime or like, do you digest better at night? You know, like, are you somebody that really like needs pure? So like for you, it's so much around, um, being very naturally picky and like, I mean, like you can try things, but I would say in your design, it's very much around eating like the same thing every day. If you're like, I found this breakfast that I love, like, I'm going to just stick with it, you know? And like when the seasons change or I feel inspired to change, like I'll change, but like, I wouldn't force like diversity in your meals every day. Like, I think that if you find a thing you love, I would honor that. If you want to travel, bring things, you know, you like to eat. So it's, it's, again, it's less about like what you eat and more about the conditions under which you eat it. 
Okay, very cool. Yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense and and speaks a lot too to like the mind body connection. And I like getting into, um, yeah, ways that you can optimize the way you feel in your environment and not just obsessing over yeah, which foods should I eat, which supplements should I take, all that kind of stuff. Totally. And again, like all things, experimenting and be like, how does it actually feel? Yeah. Like, how does it feel to eat this way? You know. And I think often when I sit with people, they were eating this way when they were really young. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like, and then they kind of got conditioned out of it because they're like, oh, I should do it differently than this. And so human design kind of returns them to that and gives them that permission again. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So the other question I had on a totally different note <laughs> was in regards to parenting. Um, I've seen some people I follow on Instagram will like the, as soon as they have a baby, like look up their baby's human design, like right away and, and start to learn about their, their human design type. What age do you really start to see these these traits come out and like you said maybe you ate that way when you're a child like when does human design start to become really relevant with parenting and in childhood you know I don't think you can like do it too early like I think that like I mean I saw people like with kids that are you know two three four they're already observing this stuff Mm. you know so like I think and it's not a thing where you're like you're telling your kid you have to operate this way it's more like an observation and really like figuring out how you can best support them. Mm-hmm. I think the magic of human design and parenting is that often like kids express their design so purely. Like when I talk to like parents that have like a five-year-old or seven-year-old, they're like, yes, like they're just like, <laughs> they're just living it. And like, but often what happens is they're living it. And then they're like, I should do it differently. And then they get conditioned out of it, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think that like, what's so cool in parenting is that you really like are understanding how to support and create space for your kid to really evolve from like day one and give them permission to be who they are from day one. Um, and it's so cool, especially if like your parent, the parent has like a really different design than you, you know? And so being like, oh, I've been like expecting my kid to be like that, like me. So I don't think it's like too early, but I would remind people that it's not like forcing any of it. It's more just like being aware of it and starting to kind of be like, oh, like, how is this showing up? Like, oh, they really do need more rest or like, wow, they really do need more freedom. Like, and just kind of like having this in the back of your mind. So you can start to like really appreciate that they might have a different way of operating than you. Yeah. I love that. Like you said, it's not something you have to force, but it's just kind of, it's, it's a blueprint or helpful information that can guide your interactions with, with whoever, whether it's your children or partners or friends. Um, Exactly. Yeah. It's really beautiful. Yeah. Good. Yeah. It's endless. Applications are endless. Yeah. I am personally so excited to continue to dive in and learn more about my, uh, my design and the elements that are new to me now. Um, and for anybody listening, who's like, okay, this is really awesome. I'm super curious. Where do I learn more? What do you recommend in terms of first steps? And then also how can they get in touch with you and interact more with your work? Yes. So the first place is definitely look up your design. So humandesignblueprint.com and like, and you can look at your type, your strategy, authority. Like I share a lot on Instagram, both at Aaron Claire Jones and human design blueprint, um, where you can like be like, oh, I know I'm a projector. And like, now I can like swipe to all the things that are relevant to being a projector. Um, so that's like a really fun place to start. I, if you want to get started, I would say probably the best place to get started is your blueprint, which is a 55 plus page written guide to unique design. They're all entirely unique. And it really kind of walks you through how you're uniquely meant to operate in really kind of practical, accessible and empowering terms. Um, and it's just like, honestly, having a book all about you. It's like, it's having your own operating manual. Um, will you remind me of the discount code that we're setting up for that? Oh, it'll just be well then, um, which is the name of this podcast. 
So the code will be well then. Um, and then I also offer, and so that is at humandesignblueprint.com. And then I also offer sessions and workshops and that all can be found over at erinclairjones.com. Amazing. I will make sure to link all of that in the show notes below. And for people listening, I definitely recommend following Erin on Instagram because it is, like you said, it's so cool that you, you um, write and post these really actionable little bits of information that are relevant to each of the different types. And so, especially in regards to like relationship, you could swipe through and like, say you're a projector, but you know that your partner is a generator. Like you can see how to best communicate with them and like what might be coming up for them. And it's just such a cool way to not only interact with your own type, but learn more about the people in your life too. 100%. Yeah. I mean, I had like even a client today was just like, she like sent my little Instagram post to like her husband and like, and like someone else, like they don't have no idea what human design is like, Oh my God. Yes. You know? So it's just like, it really like whether or not people are into it, like it's, I'm definitely trying to make it super accessible. So it's not cloaked in jargon. And it's very like, you know, whatever your experience with human design is, it will make sense. Yeah, absolutely. Like the example you shared earlier with um, me in, in relationships, when it comes to decision-making about like prioritizing my joy and needing to have fewer, like fewer, clearer choices rather than really broad open-ended things. There's like actionable things like that on your profile, where you could send that to your partner and say like, see, I'm a generator or sacral authority. And like, I need choices, like give me choices. And it, it just makes it so um, digestible. Yes, exactly. It's, and it's so actionable and that's the magic. Yes, absolutely. So um, definitely go, go check all that out for everybody who's listening. Um, And last question I love to ask everybody who comes on the show is, do you have any daily wellness habits or practices that are like your go-tos can't live without that help keep you feeling really balanced and aligned? Mm. I would say like the most important one right now feels like journaling. Mm. I I definitely like ebbed and flowed with that, but I'm currently doing the artist way. And there's this Mm -hmm. whole practice of morning pages and that just felt so good. Yeah. Like, I think, you know, I always meditate and I always move and spending time outside, but like journaling has been really useful. And also we have these like two new puppies that you probably heard barking the whole time, but like really like cuddling with them is just, mm. it's like the, I mean, I don't know if it really counts as a wellness practice, but it definitely feels like it, you know, there's just like something so nice around just like really creating time to be in contact and touching like other humans and creatures. Oh, definitely. It gives you that oxytocin boost. And that I would say is certainly a wellness practice. Such a wellness practice. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. What kind of puppies are they, by the way? Um, Well, they're both rescues. So we didn't know what they were when we got them. Um, We learned, which is so funny because I've always dreamt of a husky and we Mm -hmm. adopted one that was all white and, and they said he was a shepherd. And I was like, he's beautiful. Like we're taking him mm-hmm. and we love him, but it turns out he's hundred percent Siberian Husky. Wow. Um, oh so my crazy. Gosh. I know just like literally just the most like serendipitous, perfect thing. And then the yeah. other one is like a beautiful dark gray one who is like guard dog central. He is like 54% <laughs> pit bull, 37% German shepherd. Oh, um, yeah. And then like a Rottweiler Siberian Husky, weirdly, um, one other border collie, like that's all like 5%, but, um, they're amazing. You know, they're, it's a journey. It's been, they're a little high maintenance right now because (laughs) they were both pretty sick, but they're so wonderful. Oh yeah. So much fun to have that that puppy energy around the house. (laughs) Oh my God. Totally. So, but it's been, it's been a treat having them. Yeah. Oh, I love that as a wellness practice. Such a good (laughs) Spending time with your animals. Yes. Yeah. It's huge. 
Thank you so much, Erin, for sharing all of your wisdom today, your story and your insights on human design. I certainly think it's such a valuable tool and I'm sure everybody listening feels the same way. So just thank you so much for your time and coming on the show today. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And everybody listening, make sure you check out Erin and her work in the links in the show notes. And if you know anybody who might benefit from listening to this episode, which I think is just about everybody, every human who is open and willing to, to learning about themselves, definitely share this with them. And until next time, I hope everybody has a happy, healthy and love filled day.